morning. Uh, I hope people on Zoom can hear me. Um, so it uh, looks like some people uh, under the weather. Something going on in the church. Uh, so let's pray for them too. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we uh, thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for Sunday. <clears throat> for those who are still recovering <clears throat> from cold, uh, I pray that you uh, bring total healing. For this church, for this congregation, <clears throat> I pray that you bring revival and that you bring that dedication and, uh, you know, people will um, desire to worship you. Uh, people will desire to know more about you. Um, people will desire to hang with your people. And uh, may you bless this message to, uh, this morning. May you anoint uh, my tongue. And may everything I said uh, this morning uh, benefits benefit your people, edify your church, in Jesus' name. Okay. <clears throat> Some recap. Um, <clears throat> last Sunday we talked about divorce, right? Um, uh, Pharisees, were, they were not interested in divorce. They're using it as a trap. But since they, they, they brought up this topic, uh, Jesus were responding to them <clears throat> and used that opportunity to tell them the true will of God. And so they, they asked Jesus, is it lawful to divorce? Well, the answer was obvious because there was a law, uh, this was, there was a stipulation in the book of uh, Deuteronomy 24, and where divorce uh, is permitted if you, the husband issues a certificate of divorce to his wife. And Jesus said, that's not the will of God. We have a bad law because you are bad. The law exists. The law permits because your heart are hardened. The law is to protect the victim of your sin. For the husbands, Jewish husbands, they basically uh, divorce their wives for all kinds of reasons. And the wives was, were, were totally unprotected because they don't have a means of living. <clears throat> so uh, the husband had to issue a certificate so that the wife can, uh, can go ahead, remarry. <clears throat> the women are the victims. And because the harness of the hearts of men. <clears throat> and last week, I think I mentioned uh, the greatest weak victims are not only the wives, also the children. Right? So children are the victims. And sure enough, after Jesus talked about divorce, this week, he moved on to the topic of children. <clears throat> um, and this is what he said about divorce. From the beginning, God created male and female, and God put them together. And two are to become one flesh, one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Right? So, the Jewish society or any ancient society is very uh, male-dominated. Uh, and males because they is ag agricultural society. They have, you know, they are physically strong. They work. They make money, and therefore they have, they have a lot of power. But Jesus sort of bringing this. Uh, 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 revolution of thought to them, you know, it's God who's in control, it's not man. A man should not say, you know, I want divorce, so therefore I can divorce, and you guys, you know, just go suffer, uh, and I don't care, and that's not God's will. So Jesus refocusing people's heart on God. Here, um, wives were despised, women, are de women were discriminated, and uh, they were victimized, and the next target is children. 
and children are often ignored and despised in the society. And we can see that today in the attitude of Jesus' disciples. All right, so let's come to the story. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. So um, children, again, are, are not important. They are, in ancient societies, they, don't, they, they did not have any status. They did not have any rights. They were considered the least important of society. But they uh, were not specified here. Uh, likely the, the parents, right? Parents heard of Jesus, famous as a godly man, as a preacher, as a prophet. They wanted their children to be blessed by Jesus uh, through touching. Uh, it, it was a, a tradition, a well-known tradition, uh, as we can see in the Old Testament, that uh, the parents or the elderly or the former generation were blessed the next generation, um, <clears throat> Noah blessed uh, his two sons, uh, the, his two good sons, the, the, the third son he did not bless. Um, Jacob blessed all his children and, uh, uh, and the children's children. And also there was this tradition of laying hands on the people. Uh, when Moses uh, ordained uh, Joshua to be his successor, he put his hands on him. And uh, early churches, they, we, uh, they, they kept this tradition uh, when they ordained the first deacons in the book of Acts, chapter 6, they laid their hands on them. When they sent out uh, Paul and Barnabas to be the first missionaries, they laid their hands on them. So touching, uh, laying, or laying, laying, hand, laying, their hands, laying out of the hands uh, confers uh, the the wisdom from God confers the blessing on the people touched. And that's why the parents uh, hope to, to have the, uh, the children receive from Jesus. Now, disciples rebuke them, okay? And um, again, uh, we, the, the, no reason was given here. I guess Mark assumed that his readers would know the reasons because children are bothersome. They are uh, nuisance, they, uh, they can be ignored. They are not important. And in disciples' mind, Jesus was important. And they themselves were important. Uh, so they behave again uh, in a very exclusive way. And uh, it's a sign of uh, elitism. And he basically, they repeated the same thing they did the last chapter. The last half chapter, John was saying, hey, there was someone exercising uh, in Jesus' name, uh, we rebuke them. Right? We ask them to stop. Right? So Jesus is mine. This is my circle. This is Jesus' circle. This is the circle of twelve disciples. These children are not part of it, you know, and they are really not that important. So don't stop bothering uh, um, <coughs> my master. Um, we know it's understandable. I remember when I uh, went to Hong Kong, uh, I was trying to meet this. Uh, a famous preacher, uh, uh, James Taylor. He is the, the, the fourth generation from Hudson Taylor. So I tried to talk to him and, 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 and try to get some guidance from him. And then these people just keep asking me, what, what, who are you? What, why are you here to see him? I mean, he's busy. 
it's not feeling well. So they, they find all kinds of reasons to, to repel me. But eventually I was persistent. So eventually I found a way to get to him and we were able to meet. And he was a very kind person. And we met at uh, YMCA in Yamade. So I had a really good talk for an hour. So, so I guess disciples just feel like they need to protect their master. And uh, these children and their parents, they're not in the circle, so they, they should be excluded. Uh, Jesus saw this and he was indig indignant and said to them, um, so he was mad. This is the only place in the book of Mark uh, that Jesus was described uh, as indignant, uh, uh, aroused to anger. And he's showing his displeasure, strong displeasure, because he had taught them not to do this, right? In the previous chapter, you know, and he actually taught them to receive children. And he said, whoever receives one such child in my name, receives me, and whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. <laughs> so he had just called them about this, and they totally, uh, they have totally forgotten, and they're busy repeating their mistakes. Um, <clears throat> and this also shows Jesus' compassion and concern for the powerless, uh, the dispossessed, the insignificant uh, people in the society, and he always had a heart for them, and he was mad when they were rejected by his own disciples. <laughs> and he said to them, he said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. This is, uh, could have been quite shocking to the disciples, you know. Not only should you receive them, in fact, the, the kingdom of my father, the kingdom of heaven, belongs to such people. They are the master, they will be the owners of this kingdom. <laughs> And truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, shall not enter it. He's using them not only as an owner of the kingdom, he's using them as a model. Everyone who wants to enter the kingdom must be like them. They must receive the kingdom as these children, children do. What does it mean? So we come to uh, the meaning and, uh, and the point that Jesus is trying to make here. <clears throat> And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So he did exactly uh, uh, the contrary. Uh, the disciples want to repel them. They want to uh, ask them to go away. Jesus took them in, had his, his arms around them, blessed them, touched them, and basically showing total acceptance and total embrace of these children who were seeking his blessing. Right, so what's special, what's special about children uh, in, uh, in Jesus' time? So um, children are not a bad thing. Um, children in the Old Testament, uh, is, they are seen as God's gift. Uh, and they are important, they are critical to the covenant. Uh, um, many of us, we are, some of us were studying covenants in Sunday school. Children are vital to covenant. So without children, the covenant cannot be passed down to the next generation. In fact, uh, the sign of the covenant between God and Abraham is his child, his one and only child, Isaac. Right? So children are seen as a blessing from God. And, uh, and children are also seen as a way for the parents to live on, right? Everyone has to die, but if you have a son that can carry on your name after your, your passing, you know, you live. Uh, uh, so you live on. And so immortality is seen as lived out by having kids, right? So 
Unfortunately, uh, the other side of reality uh, was that the children were powerless. They were totally powerless, and they were at the bottom of uh, the, the society, that totally at the mercies of their parents and other adults. Uh, in fact, uh, in the pagan world, it's even worse. Uh, we, can, we have documents, we have uh, um, historical uh, documents that, say, that, 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 that tell us that uh, Greek people sometimes if they don't, don't like their kids, the kids are sick, or the, the kids uh, don't look good, they will discard them, they can throw them away. Uh, uh, like today's abortion, in a way. So uh, the kids have no rights, they have no status, and they are regarded as totally uh, unimportant, insignificant. All right, that's the status of the kids, the children in Jesus' time. But this is what Jesus said, kingdom belongs to them. Kingdom belongs to such as these. Let the, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. What does it mean? So what's special about children that they can own the kingdom? Right. Uh, some people may say children uh, possess good attributes, like they, uh, they have humility, right? they are seen as innocent, they are seen as pure, uh, and uh, of course they are modest. And uh, yeah, some children, they do possess these qualities, but a lot of children, they also have a lot of bad things, a lot of shortcomings, right? They can be demanding, they can be short-tempered, stubborn, and thankless, and uh, selfish. Um, I think parents can see both, right? So when you see your kids, you can see the good sides, and you can see not so good sides. So, and therefore, the virtues of children or the shortcomings of the children of the children are not a focus here. The point is not about how good they are or how bad they are. The point about the point is their status. They are totally helpless. Uh, in Jesus' days, and I will argue even in today, you know, even though we have laws in this country to protect them, but the law can only protect to some extent. You know, and we see on, on news all, all the time, right? Jesus children die because of the ignorance. Uh, neglect or the, the abuse of the parents, they're totally helpless. They got nothing to offer, they got nothing to bring. They, they, don't, they, they cannot work, they don't have income, uh, they are weak, physically weak, they, they don't bring anything to the table, right? So it's not about what they have. It's not about the good things they have, it's not about the bad things they have. It's about what they do not have. It's, what they, it's about what they lack. They don't have anything. They totally need God. They totally need salvation. They're total dependence. And those are the people who enter the kingdom. And this is why Jesus says, those who want uh, the uh, this is uh, he actually he says you have to receive the kingdom like a child. Um, that means you have to be totally dependent. You have to proclaim your dependency, and you have to admit that you bring nothing to the table, that you receive as a mere gift from God. You don't earn it. It's not because the good things you did, also it's not because the bad things you did. The kingdom of God is yours because you say I want it. I need it. 
I'm willing to receive it. Now, uh, in, in the other two Gospels, uh, Jesus uh, used parables to talk about the kingdom. In the first uh, parable uh, in Matthew, uh, he said, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. I see both bad and good. The kingdom of God is like a banquet. It's like a feast. It's based on God's invitation. When God invites you, and you say, I'm willing to come, you can come. You can enter. It's not about the good things you did or the bad things you did. Neither good nor bad will qualify you to come into this kingdom. What qualifies you as you who say, I'm willing. I want to come. I want to take this invitation. If you're willing to say that, you're in. The second parable is in Luke, sending a wedding banquet. And the master asked the servants to go out to invite them and bring who? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the man. And these are like children, totally despised, dispossessed, the bottom of the society. But if they are willing to come, they will be accepted. They will be taken into the kingdom of God. And that's like, if you remember the, my very first sermon in this church, when I was interviewing with the church, I was preaching on Beatitude. The first Beatitude, if you remember, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those who say, I'm poor, I'm needy, I'm totally dependent. I need you, Lord. I need you. And you are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is yours. It's about how willing you are. You want to receive this gift. The kingdom is a gift. And it's given to whoever who wants to receive. Now, people say, oh, no, yeah, but as a Christian, we need to live a holy life. We have to prove that ourselves worthy. Yes, but it's after you become a citizen. That's after you get, get in. When you become a citizen, when you are filled with his spirit, and his spirit will convict you, will convince you, will transform you, and therefore you become holier, holy every day. That's the work of the spirit. But that is not how you get in. You get into the kingdom. Because you say, I want to, I need to, I'm willing. And that's the song we're singing this morning. We come to this kingdom as we are. We come, I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ, the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. A few weeks ago, I think last month, we have some discussion uh, among high schoolers on, on Friday Youth Fellowship, and uh, people were saying, oh, I get baptized so early. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I should have been more ready. I, I should have started, started through. Um, you know, people, people think, even people think different ways. Some people think they're baptized too early, some people so, you know, uh, 
people, people tend to think I, they need to be ready for baptism. But today, the, today's, based on today's message from Jesus, I'll tell you. The only criteria for being baptized is that you're willing. If you say you want to earn this, then you can never be ready because you can never earn it. It's not about how, how much you prepare yourself, how much you work to fix your life, to improve your morals or your daily habits. And you come to this point and say, oh, now I, I, can, I can come in. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm more qualified. It's never like that. It's about you being humble and being honest with yourself and say, I think I'm kind of broken. I think I'm kind of messed up. And I really need his grace. I really want this gift. I'm not willing to receive it. If you can say that, I think you're ready for baptism. And no one can stop you. In fact, if someone tries to stop you, Jesus will be mad. That's what he says. Do not hinder them. Do not hinder them. They want to come to me. What's wrong with you? Do not hinder them. And this is the same warning he gave to the disciples in the previous chapter. They just forgot, forgot, forgot about it. In fact, throughout the book of Mark, we can, we can keep seeing disciples forgetting about the teaching. The, the book of Mark is about how good the disciples are. It's never. It's actually about how broken and how many failures they have committed. But Jesus wins at the end. Jesus still succeeded at the end, despite the failures of human beings. Jesus said, do not hinder them. Do not stop them. So uh, if you're willing, I know some of you are considering about baptism. If you're willing to receive, then you're ready and you're welcome. And you come as you are to be baptized to be baptized, to be received into the kingdom of God. Uh, in the youth fellowship, we talk about the eunuch, right? the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, he heard the gospel on the road uh, to Gaza, on the desert road to Gaza, and he heard it from Apostle Philip. And, and he said to Philip, what can stop me from being baptized? Why should I be hindered from baptism? I want it now. I want to receive it now. They say, sure enough. And there was a, there's a, some water, I don't know, an oasis in the desert. It just happens there's a, some oasis in the desert, some spring, some water there. They, they, they went out uh, of their cart and he was baptized. Um, so with the same attitude, I encourage you, if you're willing to receive, then you're ready. You're ready to be baptized and you're welcome. The other question I want to ask all of us is, do we sometimes hinder people in their pursuit of faith, in their pursuit of kingdom? Do we hinder people? Our words or behavior or actions. Or, on the contrary, do we act as a facilitator? 
Do we facilitate people to come closer to Jesus? I mean, we don't need to be the one leading them to Christ. Sometimes we, we jump so much ahead. We say, I'll share the good news as well. I leading him to make that decision. No, we don't have to. No, that decision takes so long, so many years, and actually so many peoples, so many encounters with Christians, with gospel, with the good news. Uh, which is most likely, which is one stop in these people's life on their journey into faith. But this one stop, when they come to this stop, am I a good facilitator? Am I a good usher? Do I know? Am, am I willing to usher them in to the kingdom with my words, with my attitudes, with my behavior? I think that's the question that we should ask ourselves as believers, as Christians. Again, Jesus in this story reminds us, don't be so exclusive. Don't be so cliquish. Be more open to other believers, to seekers, to people who are willing to know more about the truth. You know, a lot of times in schools, uh, in workplaces, whenever people debate about Christianity, when people talk about their conception about evangelicals, um, about Christian politicians, you know, we try to run away from the, the debates, right? But sometimes we can be more brave, we can be more courageous, we can still try to address their concerns on their misconceptions or, or right conceptions uh, with kind words and gentle words. Um, then two, three years ago, Justice and Dokus, they studied this book in Sunday school um, about confronting Christianity. I think that's the name of the school, uh, the, the book, you know, about 12 issues people often have with Christianity. You know, I encourage you to read books like that, to understand more, to study on the issues and to give a wise answer, especially in a Bay Area uh, where the, the culture is so opposed to, to our faith. And may God give us that gentle attitude and calmness and confidence uh, in, in giving the right answers, um, hopefully uh, bringing people closer to our faith. Right? That's today's message. Let's pray. Father God, for all those here who want to come to you, may they not be hindered. Um, I pray for the coming baptism. I pray that whoever decides to be baptized, they're willing and they will come empty-handed to be filled by you. They will come broken to be fixed by you. They will come in need to be satisfied by you. May you bless this congregation and make this a welcoming congregation. That we will continue to welcome seekers, welcome new friends, and we will be a good facilitators, we will be good ushers for people coming to this safe faith in you. Help us, Lord.
Thank you. In Jesus' name.